Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Metcast, the official podcast of Manchester Metropolitan University. In our latest series of episodes, we have been discussing all things Olympics, with the Tokyo 2020 Games now in full swing. This year's Games has already proven to be one to remember, but on Monday the 2nd of August, Laurel Hubbard is set to make Olympic history as the first openly transgender athlete to compete in the Games in a different sex category than assigned at birth. In this episode, I'll be speaking to two of our experts from the Manchester Metropolitan University Institute of Sport, all about Laurel's historic involvement in this year's Games. Dr Alan Williams, reader in Sport and Exercise Genomics, and Dr Georgina Stebbings, Senior Lecturer in Sport and Exercise Physiology, will be explaining the current regulations set out by the International Olympics Committee for Transgender Athletes. They'll also be delving into some of the advantages and disadvantages Laurel and other trans athletes might have over their competitors. So Alan, I'll come to you first. Can you tell us more about the regulations currently in place for trans athletes? What criteria must they meet to be eligible to compete in the Olympic Games? In terms of the regulations for transgender athletes, it's entirely based on lowering testosterone to below that level that's in the regulations for them for a period of I believe it's 12 months it might be six I believe it's 12 months um, and, and and that's it uh, so which some individuals go through when they transition for example from male to female is that they would have surgery on um, uh, sexual organs as well so that is that is not part of the regulations that may or may not happen that is irrelevant to the IOC. Testosterone and they've got to have like legal um, proof that they've actually transitioned and they you know, they identify as a female um, and as long as they've been on that suppression for 12 months and they've changed that legal identity they could then compete as a woman. So yes they've tr- they have tried to boil it down to a single thing which is fairly easy to measure in the blood the testosterone level uh, and it's certainly related to uh, sport performance in the vast majority of people. Um, but again, that's controversial because the weight of evidence, in my opinion, is that what that that lowering that testosterone for a period of time doesn't level the playing field if, against um, against the other most of the other women that they are competing against. So, Alan, you say that lowering those testosterone levels won't quite level the playing field. Why is that? And what advantages will a trans athletes still have over their competitors? The advantages that she probably has and the re- um, are because the reduction in testosterone that she will have to be um, have to have gone through and be maintaining at the moment in it, in order to be able to compete. The age at which she did that uh, escapes me a little bit, but I believe it was well after puberty, for example. And the benefits of that as testosterone increases uh, significantly during puberty and then uh, is maintained at a at a much higher level than in most women, but well, n- normally for, for, for years and decades after, then that has major effects on the growth of bones. So that's one of the main reasons why uh, men typically are, not all of course, but typically are a bit taller than women. Um, have longer limbs as well, which is part of that, uh, broader shoulder in terms of the skeleton. Uh, so that's that's one of the main things is the, is the growth of bones. The second of three is the uh, increased muscle mass that that increased testosterone brings about. So there are very significant um, 
differences on average, again, there are, there are obviously exceptions to this, but on average between men and women, then there is a significant difference in muscle mass and in muscle strength, particularly upper body strength. So any sport that it, that requires sort of upper body musculature, and that could include kind of combat sports like boxing and things like that. Uh, weightlifting is a combination of lower body and upper body. Uh, something like throwing a javelin is mainly upper body, but lower body is also important again uh, in the sort of run up and the stance of that. So, so those increases in muscle mass and muscle strength that are that occur in response to testosterone in most men during and after puberty, then the evidence so far, a bit more precise evidence would be useful. And we ourselves are, are trying to do some of that research at the moment, just, just beginning it actually. Um, but the evidence so far is that um, when someone then lowers testosterone, according to the IOC regulations, that that will reduce that muscle mass and strength probably a little bit. But um, the evidence is that that's quite short of what would be required to sort of negate the advantage that they have had from that increased uh, testosterone in the first place in terms of muscle mass and strength. What reducing testosterone will not do is affect the uh, the bone structure, bone length. So any so if there are sports, many, maybe not all, but many sports, there is some advantage in having longer limbs and being taller, then that is retained and is unaffected by a reduction in testosterone. And the third bit is the amount of hemoglobin in the blood. Now, actually, this is something that does um, come down relatively quickly within weeks when someone does lower their testosterone. So actually, the, the advantage that most men would have over most women of an increased level of hemoglobin in the blood, which transports oxygen, is good for endurance sports, but also things like team sports where you sort of doing a short burst and then having to recover quickly and do another short burst of activity. So aerobic function is still important. Um, that hemo difference in hemoglobin between men and women uh, is actually negated, sort of cancelled out um, by a sustained reduction in testosterone. Georgina, do you have anything to add? So that testosterone suppression or gender affirming hormone treatment, as it's sometimes referred to as a collective, um, has negative effects on male physiology. So we know that there's a, there's a negative, like the effect of testosterone expression moves performance in the right direction. So it moves them closer to the female values. But if you think about muscle strength, which is 55% approximate advantage for men, the effect of testosterone suppression on strength is something in the region of like five percent so you know if we're talking in really crude terms if we've got a 55 percent advantage and we only then see a five percent reduction we've still got a 50 percent advantage for that trans female so no matter how much training a cis woman might do they're never going to be able to bridge that 50 percent um, advantage i think one potential where there isn't an advantage for weightlift is with like skeleton so sometimes limb length and uh, girth, I suppose, aren't necessarily good for weightlifting. Like if you've got shorter uh, limbs, sometimes that can help with the, the force generation. Yeah, so I guess skeleton, like anatomy might not be advantageous in, in this respect, but everything else in terms of strength, uh, mass, 
power, potentially like the muscle memory. So, so effectively like the muscle brain cell. Um, and so if you stimulate the muscle by going to the gym and lifting heavy, then the muscle obviously then thinks, right, I need to build more muscle cells to be able to cope with this demand. And so if you've done that previously, men, because they have more testosterone, have that anyway. But then if you train with that environment, potentially you have more. So even if you remove that testosterone to the same extent, if you've got those dormant cells that maybe you haven't needed and you then start to train again, that potentially increases your ability to respond to the same stimulus over and above what a, a woman might. Well, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how Laurel performs in the weightlifting event in this year's competition. Uh, thank you both for joining me today. It's been really interesting to hear exactly what the impacts of those IOC regulations are. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Metcast, the official podcast from Manchester Metropolitan University. Your feedback is always welcome, as are much-needed reviews and ratings on iTunes. So if you have a moment, please head there and let us know what you think. You can also subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. Until next time, goodbye.